Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's Ben here. I am delighted to be joined today by the CEO of the Predictive Index. The Predictive Index helps more than 8,000 clients across 142 countries, and I've used it many times myself in different countries, so it's a, a wonderful system. So, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today. Mr. Gagan, thank you for the kind introduction. <laughs> now, Mike, before we get into you, the company, and what you guys do, I'd like to just pause for one moment and turn to your website itself and the About Us page, because it's a bit different to the you know, Silicon Valley, two teenagers start up a photo sharing app and you know, get raised billions for it. So I'm going to read from the site just for a moment, folks. In 1942, 26 year old Arnold Daniels volunteered for the US Army Air Corps. Shipped off to England, he was placed as a flight navigator and his team soon logged more than 30 missions, all without a single combat casualty. When commanders noted the team's record, they sent a psychologist in to work with Daniels to study what made the team work so successful. This was Daniel's first introduction to psychometric testing and what would become a lifetime passion, solving business problems through the lens of understanding individuals. After the war, he returned to Boston, where he briefly attended Harvard to study workplace psychology. In 1952, he released the first predictive index assessment. And in 1955, Daniels founded PI Worldwide, which is now called the Predictive Index, And the predictive index behavioral assessment was created through a normative sample of thousands of people and has since been the subject of nearly 500 validation studies. It has received continual updates and today represents a well-established, business-relevant and scientifically proven measure of behavioral tendencies in the workplace. So, Mike, that's quite a story. Do you want to tell us about yourself and then how you joined the business? Firstly, that, that sounds great. Thank you for reading that. I got I to gotta thank the marketing team for, for pulling something like that together. Oh, that's great. But it's, I never had a chance to meet Arnold Daniels. Um, I, uh, my, my business partner, Daniel, and I, we buy used companies with other people's money. <laughs> and we got right out of our MBA program. We bought this little company in Detroit, Michigan, and we bought this company. And now to put it in context, we had never purchased a house or a new car. Yet <laughs> these 32 year old and 34 year olds bought, you know, a 20 year old company. And we're looking at this, these 45 sets of blinking eyes looking at us. We're like, we're your new owners. We're your new bosses. So we buy one company at a time and sort of install ourselves as senior management to turn it around, fix it, grow it. And, you know, we attended a Harvard Business School, so you think we would have this great education. And we knew a lot about strategy. We knew a lot about finance. We had a great network. But we did not know much about leading people and, you know, the, the, the true art of managing and then hiring and inspiring your people. And two years after we bought that company, we ran into the Predictive Index and we became clients. Um, And in 2009, we tried to buy PI and the family entertained it, but said no. Wow. Um, And in 2014, we actually got to purchase the Predictive Index. Um, I had, like I said, never met Arnold, but we were very passionate about the product. And 
we, Daniel and I consider ourselves sort of re-founders of a yeah. six-year-old company. And we really are a 65-year-old technology company in Boston, growing really fast. Um, and it is a funny story because when you read 1942 and then 1955, that's <laughs> not what you expect. Uh, that's, and when you acquired Predictive Index, were you any wiser by this stage in terms of management? <laughs> we were better at some stuff and maybe worse at others. <laughs> Um, as you mature and your game changes. But we definitely, in that 10-year period, we have improved our people game, our talent game immeasurably in that period of time. Why did you decide that you wanted to use Predictive Index in, in other companies? What was it about it? And then secondly, what drew you to say, let's go for this company and try to buy Predictive Index? Well, what, what, what drew us to it was the fact that you could use it for pre and post hire you know, because we were in that position, you know, we didn't want to have a pre-hire tool that you could use, but you couldn't use it for post-hiring development of people. And it was really simple and easy to use. And, you know, someone introduced it to us and we became really gung-ho about it. You know, if, if someone is normalized on another tool and they're using it effectively, I say stick with it. Um, sure. what, what attracted us to, to, want to buy the predictive index is we got so much value out of it. But when we met it, you know, in 2006, it was, um, it was under invested in the family wasn't reinvesting in the company. We, we knew they needed a new website. They, we knew that they needed uh, a refresh of their distribution and value added reseller network. We knew that there was so much more that the software could do that it was just sort of like we saw low hanging fruit everywhere on this right. really gifted product. And we wanted to be the, you know, the, to use your term, the blokes to go do it. <laughs> Thank you. Brilliant. I guess a question that's been lingering for me is how do you take a company that's well known as a powerful legacy and how do you seek to improve it without I don't know, offending the family that, that sits behind that brand or is it not something you need to think about because it's a whole new company now? Well, I mean, the tragedy behind the family is everyone passed away. Ah, so okay. when in 2014, the last living um, child of Arnold Daniels um, in hospice told the CEO that she wanted to sell the company to Mike and Daniel because she was in the boardroom. We pitched in 2009, liked us, knew that we were passionate about it. So Really, from that perspective, there was no one left to offend. Um, but we did, we did offend some people. Um, I'm, we certainly don't try to, but you know, some of our distributors uh, really suffered uh, with our approach to change management, which was we blew up everything. There were no sacred cows. We were willing, we were willing to really break things in order to make it better. And that's change management is just so difficult and so painful and very traumatic because it brings up me issues with people. You know, what about me? What about either my job or what about my role or what about my existing business? So um, we had some bruises as a result of that. But when I would say if you fast forward two or three years after that, they realized our intentions were, were good, that, what our changes were taking root and things were getting better. Uh, and, you know, now you build a lot of trust and those same people who 
we had frictions with are some of our biggest champions. I ran a conference, a virtual conference at the start of uh, 2020 and had a couple of speakers in there talking about acquisition of HR companies and things like that. You mentioned that your business has been modeled around buying other businesses with other people's money. How did you actually structure it? Did you do that in the case of the purchase of PI? Well, when we bought our first company, we didn't have any money. Um, (laughs) We had debt. So it was forced upon us. And we're on our fourth uh, platform company. Um, We've made other acquisitions with the platform, but we consider the you know, PI is a platform. Um, yeah. Daniel and I put a lot more of our own capital in, into each successive deal because we, we had capital to put in. But we, we did the same model. There were there are 18 investors. Uh, in our first deal, we started with 10. And I, I think if you are successful, they, you, your investors attract other investors. They tell their cousin or their friend and we, yeah. we, we grew the pool of investors, but most of these people have been with us since our first deal and they backed us when most people wouldn't. And, you know, as we, as we started showing, you know, successful, you know, purchase and then sales and return that, uh, I guess it's, we're, we're, we're a better bet these days, yeah. uh, but the same group and the same fundamentals and, and very similar structure. Okay, so that's very interesting. So for this purchase uh, or acquisition, did you need to show what your plans were or by now they'd said, no, we trust you, off you go? Or did you actually need to demonstrate, well, here's where it stands at the moment and here's what we have planned. For instance, you mentioned a couple of things, the website and the distributor network. Did they need to know the plan? And then secondly, what did that plan entail? Actually, we, we still show our, our plan from 2014 to this day. Because I think it's very relevant. You know, we, we do a deep analysis of what we think is good and bad about a company. And we start with, is it an attractive marketplace? How is it competitively positioned? What value are we planning to add to it? And the reason I, I show this to every new distributor or value-added partner, because I want them to see that what we saw in 2014 a lot we accomplished, but those fundamentals are still there. It's still a very attractive market. We're still really well positioned and there's still a, a tremendous amount of value to still add to, you know, the, the company and to really to the, the, the category of talent optimization. Definitely. I want to sort of get into the plan and, and the things you did to develop and grow the company and then also some other opportunities for growth. But I know you have grown revenue in a pretty big way. What have you achieved there so far? And I know we've had coronavirus step in and interrupt things, but are you pretty pleased with your growth so far? Yeah. Yes. We, I mean, certainly very pleased. We, it was a, even though it was 60 years old, uh, when we purchased it, it was uh, doing 16 and a half million. Uh, we closed out 2014 there and, and we were on track to do, 125 million in, uh, in gross revenue, um, this year. Now, obviously coronavirus has changed that we're remodeling and trying to refactor what this is going to be, but it really represents, you know, the five year compounded annual growth is over 40%. And it's, um, it, it really was, it, it, it was, you know, about unlocking 
a bunch of things. When we bought the company, there were 47 value-added partners. And most of them, while incredibly talented, most of them came before the 1990s. So they came in a pencil and paper world in a world that was now SaaS. So today we have over 400, we call them certified partners, but you know, value-added practitioners who you know, sell, service, and consult on PI. And to do a tenfold increase in your partner network um, you know, t- takes a lot of work. The, the, the legacy partners, and they hate when I call them that, but the partners who were here before we acquired the company <laughs> you know, weren't fans of change. Um, but the new partners are like, wow, we really love the product. You know, it really augments our consulting practice. It adds recurring revenue. It gives us a powerful data model that we, we've actually found in the coronavirus period. The last two months have been some of our best recruiting months for consultants. Really? Both management consultants and HR consultants. Yeah. Why is it, that? Well, I think HR consultants and management consultants may not be as busy as they were in February. Mm-hmm. And I think they are investing in themselves that, or their practice where they want to add new tools, new tricks, new systems. Uh, and they are maybe stuck at home like a lot of us are. And they want to, they, they can, we've turned our training into virtual training so they can go through an intensive week-long launch program and invest in themselves, invest in their practice. And hopefully when we come out of this, well, what is the largest displacement of human capital since World War II? And it happened 10 times as fast. It happened in five weeks, not nine months. Yeah. That um, human capital and talent optimization is going to participate in the rebound. So hopefully if they retool themselves or add this, they can um, emerge from the rebound participating in that rebuilding of our, of our human capital. Right. For employers and for consultants, potential partners who are listening, could you explain exactly what the Predictive Index platform is and does and how it helps employers? I, I'd, lo- I'd love to, and thank you for the opportunity to do that. I would, I would say that um, if you step back a hair, HR was invented in the Industrial Revolution to protect companies against risk. And most of the tools, if not all of the tools that we've given HR have been more tactical in nature and about cleaning up their process. ATSs help the process of hiring. HR information systems help the process of making sure you onboard employees, making sure that you go through open enrollment, making sure that you you tick all the boxes efficiently because human resources is often understaffed, under-resourced, underappreciated. Um, that if, 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 you were, if your roots are to protect the company against risk and you're given then tactical tools, you are not in a position to be the third leg of the stool. And the third leg of the stool is the first leg is strategy. It's, it's the domain of the C-suite. 
The second is finance. How do you, how do you financially support that strategy? The third leg of the stool is, is talent. How do you put the team in place strategically to support the overall company strategy? And traditional HR is not their fault. They're not in a position to support that strategy because of the tools or because they're not given a seat at the table. The, the discipline of talent optimization, which is mapping your people strategy to the business strategy is something that many HR consultants and management consultants already do. What the predictive index actually does is gives them tools to do that much more scalably and not, and not customized for every company. Um, you know, the frameworks, the assessments, the models, the reports, um, the, cons- the pre-scripted consulting packages. So there are a lot of people in your audience who are strategic HR people. And I would just say that the predictive index is a, is a tool suite, is a system, is a platform that could help them bring it to their clients more scalably. Yeah, definitely. I can remember one context that we used in was involved as part of our business turnaround process there's a very clear cut consulting type of project that people can get involved with. What types of employers does the predictive index help? It's really a cross section of the economy with, with 8,100 clients, you're, you know, we're, we're everywhere, B2B, B2C, small companies, large companies, you know, companies that are, you know, very structured and, you know, to companies that are very casual, like even, Subway franchisees, um, car dealerships. Yeah. But um, I, I would say the only thing that we're maybe underrepresented would be public sector, you know, uh, federal governments, uh, state and local governments. And that's often because the, the unions sometimes sneak in there and make it more difficult to use more aggressive tools. Sure. You use the word aggressive. I've not heard it described in that way. Well, what do you mean by that? I would say, you know, to give you the other end of the continuum, our, our number one competitor is doing nothing, using your old systems, your old tools, unstructured interviewing, no strategic tools. Aggressive is sort of giving into some of these, you know, uh, models, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, scientific models, uh, and, you know, sure. tools which help you rank uh, and prioritize who you might hire, who you might promote for this role. When I say aggressive, um, it's just vis-a-vis yeah. the status, status quo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> classic change management in the uh, industrial yeah, yeah. workplace, unionized workplace anyway. What are the main methods you guys are using to grow? It's really supporting our partners. Um, if I gave 10 CEOs a login to our software platform, a few of them would get it, but not all of them. Whereas if I could get them in front of, you know, a, one of our certified partners that, and the login, then it's, it's, it's there that it's brought to life. People, um, you know, we, we sort of, it's, it's sort of find enlightenment. You, you, you almost need a, a bit of a guide to change your attitude about how you can think about your talent, your talent strategy, and your people much, much more thoughtfully, much more strategically, and, and really as an offensive 
tool. Definitely. Yeah. What do you see the future holding for the field of HR and for employers trying to manage their talent? What do you see coming down the line? Well, I like to, um, are, are you familiar with the Moneyball movie and yeah. the Saber metrics and the revolution that's happened in sports in the last 30 years? Yeah. I mean, I can only quote Brad Pitt and the, the others in that movie, but certainly it's a fascinating story. Well, it, it, it's the story of how Billy Bean, who is the manager of the Oakland Athletics, sort of changed baseball forever and really all sport. And what I, I don't want to go too into the nitty gritty, but 30 years ago, baseball scouts used to qualitatively measure baseball players, yeah. much like having someone come in in an interview and asking them unstructured qualitative questions. And today, those same scouts are sitting in a basement with five screens in front of them, looking at analytical data, trying to predict the future of talent in their field of sport. And it, it, it happened in baseball, and it's gone to almost every sport, and it's changed sport forever. You know, I hope in 10 years that the talent space with business is much more analytical using much more metrics and, and data models to predict success. It's not the only thing. You still have to make sure you have fit for your culture. You still have to make sure that these are people you want to work with, that, that possibly share your values. Um, however, you, there are things that they should be doing. And I hope that in 10 years, they look back and say, God, why did we do it the old way? And you know, I, I sometimes feel I'm walking around with a two by four whacking people in the head saying, why are you doing it the old way? Yeah, definitely. I'm certainly seeing more of that. And on a slight side note, I think that kind of data analytical approach could have positive spin-offs, particularly in areas of diversity and inclusion and avoiding bias and all that sort of stuff. So it certainly is a tool that can be used uh, to improve diversity and inclusion. Uh, Anthony Williams, who's the, the chief human resource officer for Akamai, um, which is a very hardcore technology company, the, the, the higher the tech, the company, the harder the diversity and inclusion, uh, or I should say diversity, I, I shouldn't speak about just inclusion, but mm. it's difficult because of the biases in STEM. Um, and, and they're using heavy quantitative analytical tools to try and approach uh, and defeat you know, the diversity issues. Um, yeah. And it's, um, it's so important to what we're doing. We're, we're stronger, more diverse, and we're stronger when, um, when your teams are, are more well-rounded. Definitely. Now, before I start to let you go here, can you just dive into the Certified Partners Program in case people listening would be interested in that? Is that something that's still open? And if so, how does it work? And what would people do next if they want to get involved? Oh, it, it, is it is certainly open um, and encouraged. I think there's, you know, becoming a partner is one of the most popular uh, sections on our, on the Predictive Index website, okay. predictiveindex.com. But we do have a recruiting team, which will help people think about, one, our recruiting team will help understand, you know, what is their practice? You know, what are they currently doing? Uh, is, is, is there a good fit? Are there other examples of people being successful like that? And then they walk them through, you know, the, the economics and the requirements, but we are very committed to our partner channel that, uh, on average, we give 50% of gross revenue to our partner network and we right. give away so much, you know, margin 
because we want them to have a sustainable, healthy practice that they need to be able to rely on the economic contribution so they can commit themselves to it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I encourage if people, if people in your audience are interested, um, there's nothing more important than we do than finding world-class partners who can, um, you know, help, help evangelize talent optimization. Brilliant. And I'm sure there's support and training or resources that would help them get a foot in the door and or develop relationships with potential clients. One of the most used things for our partners is just talking about uh, how can we help? You know, would you like us to, we've offered them a, a free option to take people through a resilience series to just say, how is your team dealing with this change and how can we make them a little more resilient? And it, all, all it is, is this, this, this stance you're opening, which was, you know, how is sales changed was just, people don't want to be sold to today. They want to find out how can you help them? Definitely. And it kind of leads me into the second last question of what advice would you have for other HR companies that want to grow or continue to grow or at least stay afloat in these challenging times? And I'm guessing part of that is just offering help to employers. But what's your advice to other HR companies that want to progress in these difficult times? Well, I think all HR companies need to change the, the dialogue that the fact that human resources is underfunded, understaffed, underappreciated, and often viewed as a cost center, that you know, the onus is on all of us to change that you know, tragic paradigm, that HR deserves a seat at the table. The modern organization has, is 65% of the costs are people related. And if, if we don't change that, if, if we don't change that attitude, of C-suites. And, you know, there are those who are enlightened, but if we don't change collectively that attitude, we're never really going to be able to move business the way that talent and human capital can. Definitely. Okay. So if people want to learn more, partner with, or become a client of Predictive Index, what should they do next? Well, I I certainly, you went to our website, uh, predictiveindex.com. There's a way for them to sample you know, some of our assessments or go through a demo or become a partner. There's a lot of great thought leaderships, uh, leadership pieces. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope they enjoy it, but, um, and locally they may even have a, a certified partner near them who could come and visit them if, should they, should they want. And like you said, we're, we're in multiple countries, uh, you know, well, we have clients in 142. We probably have partners in over 50 countries. Um, but Ben, thank you for asking. That's great. I, I hope yeah. people want to do that outreach. All right, Mike, you've shared so much valuable information and shared some great insights. So thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Ben, thank you for the great line of questioning. Uh, you know, thank you for what you're doing to move human capital and human resources forward and uh, for being a thoughtful asker of questions. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.